Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. And I'm excited to be here with you guys. There aren't many places. I think I'm slowly sinking on this chair right now. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is, but yeah, you know, people would say I need to, I need to cut a couple inches off anyway. Uh, but, but there aren't very many places that are better than Orange County, but I think John may have found one of them this week. Uh, he's in Costa Rica uh, on, on one of his, his yearly surf trip, and so we, we miss John. Uh, we love having John here, and, and John's in the middle of an incredible series right now called Jesus in a Bottle, and the series is so good that I've opted not to touch it. I, I want John to teach all of those, and so we're kind of doing a little sub-series over the next couple of months. I'll, I'll be sprinkled in on a couple weekends here and there, and we'll be hanging out in a specific passage, but a couple weeks ago, we gave out some books in the back uh, called Pauses for Pentecost. It's a small little red book. Chris has it right up here. Um, And it's this idea that a part of the church calendar now for hundreds, if not thousands of years, has been this idea that after Easter, continuing to set our mind on the resurrection of Jesus. You know, oftentimes, especially in the West, we're good about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday, and then we we hop into something else and we get a little bit distracted. But Pentecost is this idea that, man, we really want to lean into this idea that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And it means something for us here and now. And not only has Jesus been raised from the dead, but he continues to pop up in our lives. Uh, Historically, we can go to the first slide on this. This has been called Easter Tide. It's the season or the tide after after Easter. And if we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, it reminds us that Jesus was more than a famous teacher, uh, more than just a prophetic leader, more than a historical figure, but Jesus is the one that has conquered the grave. God has vindicated his words and his works, and Jesus continues to pop up in our lives 2,000 years later as we await the moment in which Jesus returns again to bring his creation project to its fullness, to restore and make all things new. Uh, The fact that Jesus has raised from the dead brings more significance and more weight to his words. It's precisely the fact that God has vindicated him that when we go back and read his words, we read them not just as a teacher or even as a crazy person that thought he was God and going to be raised from the dead, but the resurrection of Jesus actually vindicates everything that Jesus said. And so when we come before his words, we're coming before living words, words that have the opportunity here to to form us and to shape us and to change us. Uh, Hebrews would say this, that whenever we come before God's word, it's alive, that it's powerful, it's dynamic, uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide soul from spirit and bone from marrow. In other words, we can leave here just a little bit different 
And we came in. We won't leave here all the way where we need to be, but tonight we can take one step from where we are to where God wants us to be. And so uh, this evening we're going to be in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn to John chapter 10. Uh, If you have your iPhone or a tablet, uh, feel free to flip over there as well. Uh, John 10, beginning in verse 1, simply says, Very truly I tell you Pharisees. The Pharisees were a a class, uh, a class of folks in the first century. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate. Hey, real quick, Mindy, do we have this for the screen? Do we, are we, yeah, yeah, we're on the second slide. There we go, John 10, beginning of verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. But there is one who enters by the gate, and that person is the shepherd of the sheep. The one who takes care and protects and provides for the sheep. It says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Uh, This suggests that the shepherd is one that speaks. The shepherd is one that has a voice that can be heard, that can be listened to. It says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Uh, continuing. It says, when he has brought out all of his own, the shepherd goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus decides he wants to say it again in a slightly different way. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. They will go out, and they will find pasture. They'll find life. They'll find a place to graze and to feed. You see, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Oh, this just feeds my soul because I want life so badly. It's good. I want a life that is full and robust and overflowing. And so when I read this, my, my heart just perks up a bit. It causes me to pay just a bit more of attention. But before we go any further, can we, can we pause and pray for a moment? Father, we, we thank you for evenings like this evening in which we can, we can gather together to sing your songs, to hear from your word, to spend time with one another. Father, we ask you in these moments that as we read your word, that, Father, you would come and do something unique in our lives. You would come and shape us. You'd come and change us. You'd help us to take that small step from where we are to where you would have us to be. And so, Holy Spirit, in these moments, as we remember the words of Jesus, would you come and would you fill this place? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. And I want to start with this real quick. I have to admit, when I was a kid, I just kind of had a fascination with God. I I was one of the the, the little kids that would pull his parents aside or ask his teachers, hey, who is God? 
Hey, what is God like? Hey, where does God live? Hey, what does God say? Like, if there was a God question, I really wanted to ask it because I was, I was fascinated about it. And I talked to folks that knew quite a bit about God. Some that said, I know a little bit. Some that you could just clearly tell they just didn't really know what they were talking about. But they all agreed on one general concept that, well, hey, if you want to know, why don't you, why don't you talk to God? Why don't, you, why don't you pray? Why don't you try and hear his voice? This was an interesting thing for me as a young person because I didn't know how to pray. I felt like the, the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Because people were encouraging me to pray, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to do it. And more than that, I, I didn't know how to hear God's voice. And more than that, I didn't know if God was actually one that would speak. I didn't know if God was one that actually had a voice. And if he did have a voice, was I capable of hearing it? Was I capable of listening to it? And what we find in the words of Jesus in this passage is this very bold claim that God as the shepherd is, he's one that speaks. He's one that talks. And more than that, he isn't speaking in a vacuum. He isn't talking in an isolation chamber. He, he's talking in such a way that he can be heard, that he can be listened to. And if he's heard and listened to properly, then his people can find life. Uh, when Jesus says this, he also isn't speaking about this in a vacuum as if it's his idea. He's speaking in this Jewish framework, this paradigm that Israel had held for quite some time. In fact, when we go to Genesis chapter 1, the first thing we find is that God is creating the heavens and the earth. And now, when I'm creating, when I'm working, you can anticipate me to either have my uh, iPod, not my iPod, my, I, my, what are they called, the earbuds? Yeah, my iPhone, my earbuds into my iPhone, just not listening to anybody, just kind of listening to my music, not speaking, just fully focused. If I'm working in the yard or I'm working in the house, I, it's not a good time for me to talk because I'm a single task person. I, I cannot multitask. <laughs> and so if I were writing the scriptures, and if God were creating and working on the heavens and the earth, he would be doing so in quietness. He would be doing so without speaking. He'd be putting his muscle to work. But when we get to Genesis chapter 1, we find the exact opposite. The way that God works, the way that he creates, the first actual sign that we have of God moving is God speaking. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, and God said, hey, Mindy, we're going we're gonna to track the next slide now. Oh, maybe, maybe two back. One more back. There it is. Genesis chapter 1. And God said. In fact, this is so important for the writers of Genesis that they say this at least 10 times in Genesis chapter 1 alone. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let us separate the lights. And God said, let there be water, and let there be land, and let there be vegetation. In Genesis chapter 1, we have a God that speaks. But he doesn't just speak to creation. He speaks to his creatures. This is Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. It says, and then God said... God is speaking again. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. When God speaks, he speaks with generosity. He speaks with grace. The voice of God is a voice that gives. This is Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. God continues to speak. And the Lord said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. In the words of God, there is certainly a spirit of generosity and of giving, but is also the voice of wisdom and the voice of boundaries and the voice of this is what is best for you. Not a list of arbitrary do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts, but a voice that says, I want the absolute best for you. And if you're going to live into the dream that I have for you, there's just a couple boundaries that you have to play inside of. Uh, The writer of Proverbs picks this up really well. This is Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Pay attention to my voice. Turn your ears to my words. In other words, listen up. Lean in. Uh, Do not let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. Why? For they are life. They're life to those who find them, and they are health to one's entire body. The voice of God is good for his people. And you would imagine the people of Israel, having heard the voice of God, having been given this wisdom and these boundaries that would say, I'm all in. Whatever you say, I will do. Any of you that are parents in the house know that's not how it works (laughs) with your kids. Israel's no different. As the children of God, they have the tendency to want to hear God, but they don't want to listen to God. Isn't that true of a lot of us? We would love the opportunity to hear God, but when he speaks, we don't want to listen to God. We like the idea of hearing the voice of the divine, but we don't necessarily like the way it works itself out because it's a little bit counterintuitive to the way we would choose to live our lives. In fact, um, Zechariah chapter 7 says it this way. But Israel refused to listen. They refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and they, they put earmuffs on. They covered their ears because God was speaking, but they didn't want to listen. It says they made their hearts as hard as flint, and they would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. In other words, God is speaking in all kinds of ways. Uh, For Israel, he was speaking through the written law, which was the Torah. He was also speaking through prophets that would come and speak in the name of the Lord. But any time Israel had the chance to hear and listen to God, they put their earmuffs on. I I don't want to listen. I I don't want that. Ezekiel, I mean, Psalms says it this way. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So watch what happens when we don't listen. Watch what happens when we don't become attentive to the words of God. It says, so I just, I gave them over. 
I gave them over to what they wanted. I gave them over to the desires of their hearts. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. And the Lord, with his voice, gives us good boundaries. He gives us good laws to live by, laws that are for our health and our healing in our life. But when we don't listen, the Lord just says, fine, go off and do what you want to do, and you'll be coming back sooner or later. And then you just hear the voice of God in this. If my people would only listen. As a parent, have you ever felt like that with one of your kids? Man, I know what's best for them if they would only listen. Man, I know what my kids should do right now if they would only hear the words that I am speaking. That's right. And then he says, if Israel would only listen and follow my ways. Uh, Jeremiah picks up on this in chapter 31. He recognizes that the prophets that the Lord had sent weren't quite doing the trick. Uh, Jeremiah recognizes that the law, the Torah that had been written, wasn't quite doing the trick. Uh, the previous covenants, had they'd been of help, but they weren't bringing Israel to where he would have them to be. It wasn't fulfilling God's dream for the world and for his people. It's when Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning in verse 33, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel in the future. Not yet, but it's, it's coming, declares the Lord. You see, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will finally be a people that listen to me. But I'm going to need to come to them in a different way. The temple isn't quite doing the trick. The law, the Torah, as it was written, wasn't quite doing the trick. The prophets that God had been sending just wasn't quite doing the trick. As a parent, you've probably been there. You've tried to get a message across to your kids in several different kinds of ways. And sometimes it isn't just working. And so you've got to try a new approach. God speaks to Jeremiah. Tells him, I, I'm going to come to Israel in a new and unique way. And the way that he comes to Israel is in the person of his son. This is John chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. It says, for the father loves the son and shows him everything that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. So why? So that you will be amazed. And when God shows us what he's doing, when God speaks, it tends to bring our hearts to a, a spirit of amazement. That's good. A sense of awe. It's never a sense that I want to hide from the voice, but when he really opens up what he's doing, it causes us to say, God, you are amazing. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. The voice of God brings folks from death to life. 
the voice of God brings folks from where they are to where they can be. The voice of God brings his dream for their life to come to pass. Uh, this continues. This is very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. In other words, the Son of God is going to speak. And he's going to speak in such a way that he can be heard, that he can be listened to. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Uh, we, we catch in this text a, a, a whiff of authority, a whiff of as the Father does, so does the Son. As the Father sees, so does the Son. As the Father speaks, so does the Son. This means when we come in front of the Gospels, when we come in front of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see the words of Jesus recorded, we are as close to the very words of God as we can come. At one point in the Gospels, Jesus will say, I don't speak on my own authority. I only speak what God tells me to speak. Yeah. And Jesus says, this is a voice that can be heard. And not just for the elite, but this is a voice for everyone. Uh, we're we're kind of hopping back into John chapter 10 here, verse 8. With this in mind, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I'm the gate. I'm the voice for the sheep. I'm the voice for Israel that will lead them, will guide them, will provide for them, and will protect them. It says, Everyone who has come before me, they are thieves and they are robbers. There are voices in our lives that are set on robbing God's life from us. There are voices in our life that are set on robbing God's joy from us. There are voices in our life that are set on destroying God's dream for our life. And part of the role of the church, part of the role of discipleship and following Jesus is beginning to discern these voices. And the way that we begin to discern these voices is putting the scriptures first. What does Jesus say about this? And for every other voice in our life, it could be the voice of a boss, it could be the voice of a coworker, uh, it could be the voice of um, someone on TV, a celebrity, um, a, a news anchor, you name it. It could be a voice that we've listened to, but what we need to do as believers is take those voices and filter it through the scriptures. What does Jesus say about this? And if it's contradictory, then that voice is trying to steal and rob from our joy, steal and rob from our life, steal and rob from God's dream for us. So he says, everyone who comes before me, they are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. See, I'm the gate. I'm the living gate that speaks, that has a voice. And if my sheep will listen and follow, they'll be saved. If my sheep will listen and follow, they will come in and go out and they will find pasture. You see, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come. They may have life and have it abundantly. At one point in Ezekiel, 
when the prophets are talking about this pasture, this promised land that the sheep will feed on, they talk about it as a rich and abundant land. Not a land that you dread to see. Not a land that you don't want to go to. Uh, in Exodus, they'll call it a land flowing with milk and with honey. A desirable, abundant, prosperous place. And here's Jesus saying, if you will listen to my words, and if you'll follow my voice, you'll find yourself there. You'll find yourself in that abundant, prosperous, wonderful pasture. No. We'll skip over to Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Uh, the writer is writing about the, all the ways that God speaks. It says, in the past, God was speaking. <laughs> His voice was being sent out into the world, and he spoke through our ancestors, and he spoke to the prophets, and he spoke at various times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. His son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Because the son is the radiance of God's glory. The son is a mirror of God. And he's the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Sustaining all things by his powerful voice. In other words, whatever space in our life that we need to experience God's life, God's sustaining power, the very glory of God, we invite God's voice into it. God's voice for our businesses. God's voice for our families. God's voice for our neighborhoods and our schools and our communities. And if we can begin to, in the workplace, begin to tune into the voice of God, there's something about his spoken word that will sustain us and empower us in the workplace. Right. In our families, if we can begin to invite in God's word and be attentive to it, there's something about God's word that will sustain and empower our families. It'll bring marriages closer together. It will bring kids closer to their parents. It will bring extended families into more harmony. There is something about the spoken word of God when we invite it into our various spaces. It empowers and it sustains us. God is speaking. And man, I want to be somebody that listens. I want to be somebody that tunes in. And we're going we're gonna to close with this as we come to the table for communion. Uh, when we come before the scriptures, there's all kinds of spaces in which we can hear Jesus speaking. The very image of God. The very representation of his glory. Jesus, the same voice that built, created, and sustained the cosmos. There's no place that we hear that voice more clearly than at the table of communion. When we remember the cross. The body of Jesus broken and the blood of Jesus poured out for us. Uh, when Hebrews talks about this voice of God being spoken, he says this in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 24. It says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood 
that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, I don't know about you guys, but there are spaces in my life in which I just need a word from God. There are spaces in my life in which I need God to speak. Or better yet, there are spaces in my life in which I just need to begin to listen to God. (laughs) Because when we search the scriptures, we find that God is a God that speaks. And he has been speaking from the very beginning of creation. And through the cross of Jesus, he continues to speak now. And when we gather in places like this on a Saturday evening in Costa Mesa, California, 300 Magnolia Avenue, and we come to the table of communion, we come to listen. We come to hear the voice of God. We come to hear the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We come to hear the voice that speaks, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. When we come to the table, we come to hear the voice of, behold, I have come to make all things new. Your workplace, your family, your friendships, your community, your schools. There is something about coming to this table that it is more than bread and it is more than the cup. It is the very word of Jesus that we come and we hear afresh. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.